Let the church say amen. 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 Yes, if the Lord allows, we will see you next Sunday on the last Sunday of 2019 to worship him. And next Sunday, uh, we'll have a time for testimonies. So pray about uh, a testimony, something that God did in you, for you, this past year that you would like to share in order to give God glory. Now, um, don't mess it up for the rest of us, okay? Uh, I'm the preacher, so don't try to preach with your testimony and take a half hour. Don't mess it up for everybody, because some churches stop having testimony services because of some people. Uh, don't let that be you. So next week, we're going to do the ABCs, articulate, brief, and Christ-centered. Brief, and I'm messing around. If the spirit moves and you, you need to take extra time, um, I'll put the hook away and won't pull you. So next week, no, for real, if you have a testimony, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Um, for some of us, this year was tough. Some, there were some tough things, but we saw God bring us through, and he's about to bring us in to a whole new decade. Tuesday night, as the announcement said, we'll be here for a brief worship service on Christmas Eve. Uh, we'll have cookies and all kind of hot chocolate and stuff at 6 o'clock, and then we'll begin the service from 6.30 to 7.30, and uh, we're going to do our candle lighting, and again, because of some uh, legal situations, we can't have actual flame candles. We, we have the, uh, the, the battery-operated candles. That, that lady's hair is growing back, and so, uh, <laughs> so Tuesday night, <laughs> it's going to be amazing. We're going to sing some Christmas carols and uh, take communion and remember the birth of our Lord. So Tuesday, 6 o'clock, and then 6.30. Let's see here. Uh, Last Sunday, there was a guest preacher here at Strong Tower who uh, stood in the gap. Yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Amen. Thank you, honey, for teaching the word. Thank you. Uh, Last week, I was at St. Bartholomew's Episcopal Church just down the road. And uh, wow, had a great time with them. And I I love diversity, that there are so many ways to express our love to God. And there are many people in the body of Christ where liturgy is very, very important to their approach in worshiping Christ. And so uh, I was part of a processional coming into the church with the leaders. I was part of a recessional going out of the church. There was a lot of kneeling and getting up and kneeling. I wish I had known beforehand I would have stretched and wore knee pads because my bad knee. But uh, we had the, the communal communion cup that you pass around. Yeah, some of y'all wouldn't have made it. But, uh, but it was real alcohol, so that helped cleanse any germs. <laughs> and uh, I had to preach for like 20 minutes. And, uh, but that's not happening this morning. Uh, I'm back. So, uh, yeah, 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 it was fun. I had so much fun. It was a good time. And uh, we're going to do more than swap pulpits as churches. Uh, we're going to continue to work together to build the kingdom of God. Also, uh, this past Wednesday was a historical day. December 18th, 2019 was a historical day because on that day, In 1865, the 13th Amendment was ratified, which officially abolished slavery. 
Now, it did open up the door for mass incarceration, which we're still dealing with today. But uh, on that day, December 18th, uh, 1865, uh, my people were legally set free. And so on that day, Pastor Kevin Riggs and I had the privilege of going before the Capitol Commission of the city of Nashville, uh, carrying 50,000 signatures stating that there are people who do not want to see the bust of the KKK Grand Wizard uh, station in the state capitol. And so we brought the, uh, the papers of 50,000 signatures. We brought a poll from Vanderbilt University that said that 76% of people polled uh, say that it's time for the bust of Nathan Bedford Forrest to be removed. And, uh, and our goal was for them to put it on the docket in the month of February. Because people talk about it, talk about it, but no action. And so, thankfully, um, as we entered into that meeting, the chairman, Mr. McWhorter, said that before the end of February, the commission would meet on that. And then if it goes well, it will go to the historical commission, and hopefully history will be made, and that thing will be removed. Because it's not only the bust, it's what it represents. There's a spirit behind it. There's a spirit with it. It needs to be removed from the halls of our legislature. So, amen. Amen. And as you know, we're still making strides in Franklin um, to tell a fuller story, and we're raising money uh, to put a statue up uh, of a United States Colored Troop soldier on the square in Franklin. And our sculptor, Joe Howard, will begin working on a miniature version of the sculpture beginning in January. So the goal is to raise $150,000 for the project. And so thousands have come in so far. I'm going to put a word out to all the pastors in the community uh, saying that this is an opportunity for them to put their money where their mouths are because we need money to get this project done. And the elders in our meeting last week, we decided that rather than Strong Tower just giving a check to it, uh, we're going to invite the, the body in and take a special offering. And we're looking at doing it possibly on Martin Luther King weekend, uh, that Sunday, where our church will take an offering to go towards the statue. So I'll tell you more about it as we get into the new year. This will be uh, beyond your tithe, your offering to the Lord, but a sacrificial gift to help make history, once again, to have representation in a physical form on the square in the city of Franklin. So amen, God's up to some great things. Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. You deserve it. Don't leave, don't leave that keyboard yet. Oh, boy. Jewel got excited. Oh! It might be time for me to get excited. Oh! Let's see here. Should, should I sing? Should I sing? Should I make a joyful noise? Give me an F flat. No, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll do it later. We'll do it later. We need to work with our thing. We need to work with our thing. All right. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's pray. Let's pray. God, you do deserve it. <laughs> Everything comes from you, belongs to you, and goes back to you. We've been bought with a price. We've been bought by the blood of your son, Jesus. We are accepted by you today. Our sins are forgiven, separated from us as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, Lord, that you have not given us what our sins deserve. 
You gave us mercy. You gave us grace. And in this season, we commemorate you gave us your son through whom salvation is possible. Thank you that the babe was born, that we might be born again. Thank you that he was wrapped in death clothes, swaddling clothes, so that we could be freed from grave clothes. Thank you that they brought to this child their best gifts of gold, myrrh, and frankincense, and we bring to the Son of God our best gifts, starting with ourselves. We give you ourselves, and with that you get everything. Living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to you. And God, I give you this sermon. I, I did my best this week to study and prepare my heart. But Lord, I can't preach it without you. And your people can't hear it without you. We want a rhythmic experience today from the orator to the congregation. That Lord, you will enter into this experience with us. That not only would our souls be moved and our minds edified. But Lord, that we would go out and put feet to what we have heard may we be shining lights in a dark culture may we not be guilty of being mean people during this season might we be ones who are gracious but not only this season but every season because you said the world will know that we're your disciples by how we love each other so thank you God we love you we pray all this in Jesus name and for his sake amen He plays so beautiful, don't you agree? This brother here, man. Amen. Love you, man. This brother goes out on the road and uh, gives excellence on the road uh, with uh, Brother Lang. Is it Johnny Lang? And uh, I'm so glad you have time to be able to be here at your home church and play and minister with the same spirit of excellence. This Tyra Sash, y'all, this is my homie right here. Thank God. Amen. All right. Do y'all remember when uh, your parents used to spank you? Uh, 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 do you remember when parents used to discipline their children? Th th there was a time where parents handed out whoopings. <laughs> whoopings. And some of them mamas would use whatever was closest to them to render the whooping. Could have been a house shoe. Anybody here besides me been beat with a house shoe? I, I've been... <laughs> I see hands all over the building. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. <laughs> you ever been beaten with a switch? That you had to go and pick out yourself. And don't bring no little one back, right? Because then she going to go out and get one. And you don't want the one she going to get. It's still going to have little sticky things on it. She ain't going to pull none of that off. Oh, yeah. Parents used to whoop their children. Uh, remember when your mother would say, wait until your father comes home. And that was the worst right there. <laughs> what happened? What I missed? <laughs> Wait until one of the kids said amen. 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 Yes, sir. <laughs> Wait until your father comes home. 
And all day long, you're bearing up under the sentence of judgment. And you're waiting and waiting and waiting. Have you ever been sent to bed without dinner? Mm-hmm. You just, now, today, that would be considered torture. They were called DHS on us. But back in the day, no, you go to bed without dinner, and you could hear them downstairs eating. You could smell the food, and you up in your room. It's like prison. What was there to teach you a lesson? Have you ever been on punishment so long that you thought your parents forgot about you? They just forgot about a brother. Well, in one of the greatest Christmas movies of modern day culture, Home Alone, little boy Kevin, he was forgotten about because he got into it with his brother Buzz. And, uh, and so they, they put him up there in the attic. And he says something like, I, I wish all of y'all were gone. Like they, he was back talking to his mother. And every time I see that scene, I wish I could teleport into the screen. And, but anyway, uh, 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 <laughs> back talking, back talking. And so, so they lock him up there. And uh, they go to sleep because the next day, this family is flying to Paris for Christmas. But the power lines go out. So they oversleep. So they get up in the morning. It's a frenzy. You've seen the movie. And they rush to the airport. As a matter of fact, Kevin's ticket was accidentally thrown away. And so they go to the airport. They're rushing through. They get on the plane. And as they're on the plane, mama has a sixth sense. And she's like, wait a minute. One of my children is missing. And when it comes to her on the plane, what does she do? She yells, Kevin! <laughs> but she's stuck in the plane on the way to Paris, and there's nothing she could do until she lands to Paris, and now she's trying to find a way to get back to the United States. But she forgot about her son. And at the time of Mary's song that we're looking at for the last three weeks, the Magnificat, Mary, in this third verse, is reminding Israel that God has not forgotten you. Because Israel thought that God did forget them as a people. You see, when King Solomon died, Israel's heyday died with him. Because after he died, the kingdom of Israel was split into two kingdoms. There was a civil war in 931 B.C. where you had the north uh, going this way, and you had the southern kingdom, and then following the split in 931 in 722 B.C., the northern kingdom fell to Assyria, and they were taken into captivity. Then later, the southern kingdom in 586 B.C., they were defeated and taken into captivity by Babylon. And so from the time that the kingdom split to when Assyria took the northern kingdom and then the southern kingdom was taken by Babylon, and then from Babylon the Jews were under the Persians, and from the Persians they were under the Greeks, and from the Greeks they were under the Romans. And so this group of people, this nation, they were supposed to be the head, not the tail. But because of their disobedience, they were now the tail, and they were under the feet, the heels of these various nations for centuries and so when we come to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, 
And he gives a word speaking about the fact that someone is going to come in the spirit of Elijah and he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers towards the children and the children towards the fathers and is speaking about repentance, turning, repentance. That before the Lord will come, there will come someone before him who will preach repentance. Well, when Malachi spoke the final words of his prophecy, there would not be another prophetic word from God through the prophets to the nation of Israel for 400 years. So when Malachi ends to when Matthew begins, 400 years without a prophetic word from God. And during that time, the Jews are once again, they've gone from being under Assyria and Babylon and Persia and Greece, and now they're under the Romans. And they're like, God, where are you? I thought there was a promise that was placed on us as a people. Where are you? Now, like typical kids who get punished by their parents, all they do is blame the parent and say, why did you do this? As opposed to saying, I'm in this predicament because of what I did. And Israel did not say, we are in this place of being subjected to these various nations because of our sin of turning from God. They didn't want to look in the mirror. They just pointed at God and said, God, where are you? Why have you forgotten us? And during that 400-year period, you had all kinds of uprisings and revolts where the Jews were trying to take the kingdom by force. The Maccabean revolt and all these revolts that went on. And then you had the birth of various sects. You had the Pharisees, they developed during that 400-year period. Uh, the, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and that's where John the Baptist comes from. The Zealots, those were the political people that tried to take it back by force. They hated being under Roman rule. And so there was upheaval, and the people thought that God had forgotten them. But in Mary's song, she's reminding Israel that God has not forgotten us as a people. As a matter of fact, listen to the words of Zechariah's prophecy in Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 67. This is John the Baptist's father, and this is what he says. Now, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we... Israel, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, the Romans, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. So because of being selected by God, Zechariah and Elizabeth, to give birth to John the Baptist, the forerunner, they were given divine insight that the time is now that God had not forgotten Israel 
And that now, after 400 years of silence and darkness, he is moving in their midst now to redeem them. And as he's saying, he's looking for salvation for his people, to be saved from the enemies all around them. Israel was looking for a deliverer. They were looking for a king. They were looking for a Messiah, a conqueror. They just didn't know that this Messiah, this deliverer, this king would come as a baby. They didn't expect that he would come as a baby. They thought he would come riding over the mountainside in a great white horse to conquer the enemies and bring salvation to the people. We can't get ahead of ourselves. Yes, he's going to do that in the second advent or the second coming when he will come from heaven on a white horse and destroy the enemies of God. But in the first coming, he didn't come on a white horse as a conqueror. He came as a lamb to be offered. He came to set us free, not politically or nationally. That comes. But he came to set us free first and foremost spiritually and from the penalty of our sins. And so in this third stanza of Mary's song, she sings about what God has done for Israel. If you've been following us, you, you know that her song has three stanzas. What, what God has done for Mary. And then what, what God has done for us. And now what God has done for Israel. And all of this is coming from the Holy Spirit that she's speaking. She's singing these prophetic words. Thank God for women who speak the words and the oracles of God. Uh, without God speaking through women, there'd be a whole lot of pieces missing from the puzzle of redemptive history. So, so, so we, we, we don't fall into that camp that believe that women should be seen and not heard. We, we don't fall into that camp that women can teach children, but they can't teach adults. We don't fall into that camp of self-righteous chauvinism from these weak, uh, thin-spined men who don't allow women to teach and preach and lead in God's house. No, 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 no. Thank God for Mary, and thank God for my baby who stood in the gap last week. Thank God for Mona and all these other mighty women in this church who can preach. I should get an amen. Thank God for these women. Man. Oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. So Mary had to let y'all know something. Look at verse 54. Not 54, 54. What Mary say? She said, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. This is the third stanza of her song. She said in verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel because Israel is feeling like God has forgotten so she says, no, God has come to help, which means to take hold of again. That's what help means, to take hold of again. In remembrance of his mercy. Why? Because they thought that God had forgotten them. And yes, he remembered them. And he is entering into time and space through Mary's baby. So God helped Israel, proving that he had not forgotten them. God helped them, proving that he had not forgotten them. There are three things I'll say, and then I'll take my seat. Number one, we're going to see that God helped Israel by sending them mercy. Secondly, God helped Israel by sending them a word. And then thirdly and finally, God helped Israel by sending them a seed. Oh, I don't know if y'all are ready for this. God helped Israel 
Because as he's helping Israel, he's helping us. How? By sending us mercy, by sending us a word, and by sending us a seed. So let's call this message today, God has not forgotten you. Because I know this season can be tough, and, and you feel like God has forgotten you. Because that thing you've been waiting on, that person you've been waiting on, that miracle you've been waiting to manifest hadn't happened. You feel far from God. I know we sing what the singer Israel sings, I am not forgotten. I am not forgotten. God knows my name. But sometimes you may feel forgotten. Like, where is God? I'm here to let you know he has not forgotten you and he has proved it by helping you. So the first thing we're going to see is God helped his servant Israel by sending them mercy. In verse 54, Mary says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Oh, this word mercy is a beautiful word. As Elder Sherman said, that this is a word that speaks of God withholding from us the penalty that is due us. Mercy withholds. Grace gives and extends. So God withholds the just and due punishment of our sins. That's him being merciful. Again, with our children, uh, uh, we didn't always just pull out the belt or, or spank them on the bottom. Uh, we would sometimes ask them, do you want mercy today? And that was a way of teaching them about mercy and grace. And every time we asked Krista, Dante, Chase, or Karis if they wanted mercy, every time they said, yes, I'll take mercy today. And we were praying that mercy would lead them to repentance. Because sometimes it didn't. Sometimes it did. Oh, boy, my, my Karis, she'll get on me for saying this. My, my wife had to make a special spoon uh, with Karis's name on it called Karis Obey. Because uh, she was a preemie, so she's a fighter. She had to fight to be alive, but, but she don't know when to stop fighting, and so she's going to get me later. She's going to want to fight me after this sermon. And so uh, <laughs> mercy is when God withholds judgment. Two times in Mary's song, verse 50 and 54, you see the word mercy. Two times, mercy, 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 mercy. Ah, mercy, mercy me. <laughs> Things ain't what they used to be. Anyway, uh, 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 mercy ultimately manifests in the birth of the Messiah. He's mercy. Because the Bible says in Matthew 121, when uh, the angel told uh, Matthew, I mean, uh, Joseph, he said, uh, you shall call this baby's name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So, so mercy is Jesus taking the penalty that we deserve for our sins. We owed a debt that we could not pay, and Jesus paid a debt that he did not owe because he loved us. He died on the cross for us and in our place. So mercy ultimately manifested in the birth of Jesus. And again, this nation needed mercy because they had dug a hole. They had dug a hole because of their unbelief, because of their rebellion. And mercy is one of those kind of things where uh, uh, you get chance after chance after chance after chance. 
that you don't deserve. But God is merciful. He gives you chance after chance. Mercy is new every morning because mercies are new today because of yesterday's messes. I need mercy for my mess. And he gives you chance after chance after chance after chance. And Israel was in a hole. Anybody ever been in a hole before? You ever made that same mistake again and again, and you need mercy again and again? You ever dug and put yourself in a hole, put your family in a hole, put your church in a hole, put your job in a hole? You made bad decisions, and you cry out for mercy. And that's when we have to thank God. He's a good, good father whose mercy, mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. And, and so when Jesus is born, mercy is now personified. But before the merciful Messiah appeared, Strong Tower, hear this. Because he's majestic, because he's a king, he had to be announced. He had to first be introduced before he came on the scene. So that's why John the Baptist is so important. Because John the Baptist would go ahead of Christ or be the forerunner of Christ to announce the Messiah, to introduce the Messiah to the world. Have you ever been to a concert that, that you've been waiting to see this artist? And uh, you, you get into the concert hall, and it's usually dark, and, uh, and you're waiting. You're, you're anticipating the coming of the person or the group that you went to see. And then all of a sudden, an announcer gets on the stage, an MC. And says, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I know you've come here to see the elements, earth, wind, and fire. That doesn't mean Darina, when we went to Vegas, all the, yeah, yeah, it was dark in there. And then the announcer came out. It was like, don't take too long because I didn't come here to hear you. I came here to hear Philip Bailey. Come on, get off the stage. Introduce him now. And, and we sit and he introduces them. And he says, earth, wind, and fire. And then all of a sudden, the lights on the stage Start sparkling and going. And then the group, the curtain is lifted, and there's the group, and they start doing their thing. Well, guess what? It was dark for 400 years. It was silent. There was not a prophetic word from God. People were antsy and wondering, where is God? Has he forgotten us? And then all of a sudden, a dude comes out of the desert with a funky afro and camel clothes on and eating locusts and wild honey he's weird but he's got a word and he's telling folk y'all get ready he's coming matter of fact he's behind me right now but he's really before me <laughs> I'm not worthy to carry his sandals I came preaching repentance but, but he's coming and he's preaching about the Holy Spirit and about fire. The winnowing fork is in his hand and he's separating the wheat from the chaff. I must decrease and he's got to increase. I, I am not the Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here he is, Jesus Christ. Mercy came when the Messiah came. And Mary is saying, God has helped Israel by sending the Messiah to you. But you'll miss him. You'll miss the mercy because he didn't come the way you thought he should have come. And he didn't do the things you thought he should do. 
because you're looking too national and too political and too natural. You're not seeing this in the spiritual. And you miss the lamb looking for the lion. Don't miss his mercy today. Don't miss God because he didn't do it the way you wanted him to do it in the time that you wanted him to do it. No, no, you have mercy today because you got Jesus. And Jesus took the penalty you deserve to set you free. Oh, but secondly, God helped his servant Israel by sending them a word. Verse 55, Mary says, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed. So 400 years of no prophetic word. We got to remember what God did say. When we open up the scriptures, we, we unroll the scrolls. What did God say? Because God loves to speak. He communicates to his, com to his creation. He communicates in general ways, and he communicates in special ways. We know there's a God when we look at creation. He speaks to us. The sun, the moon, the stars, they are his handiwork. We, we know that there is a, an intelligent designer behind the scenes. There's order, there's structure. The heavens declare the glory of God, but not only in general ways, but in specific or special ways. He'll speak through angels. He'll speak through prophets and prophetesses. He speaks audibly. He speaks scripturally. He speaks directly, and he speaks indirectly through dreams. He speaks to us. God loves to speak. The question is, do we love to hear his voice? Are we listening for his voice? Are we tuned into his frequency, or is there static on the line? He loves to speak. He loves to communicate. So when we get up in the morning before we go online and get on Facebook to find out what everybody else is saying, or before we go to bed at night to find out what everybody else is saying, when are we going to take some time to be still and hear what God is saying? Don't let Facebook become crack book. That's what Ebony told me when I first heard about this thing. She said, oh, you talking about crack book? Crack book. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've had to ask for deliverance a couple times. From crack book so don't let a tool make you a fool and don't let this stuff keep you from the simplicity of an intimate fellowship with God don't allow anything to replace spending time with God and don't let other people's quips and quotes replace you getting into the Bible for yourself this is a two-edged sword this book is alive and active it'll talk to you but them quotes from these uh, brother handy says uh, go up and then come down ah <sighs> I'm going to live by that today. You better grab you some Isaiah, some Jeremiah, some Luke, some Timothy, some Titus. Come on now. Get in the word of God so the word of God can get into you. God sends a word. God spoke to the fathers. He spoke to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and David. Those were the fathers. And God spoke to them. Listen to this about a people. I'm going to make you into a great nation. He spoke to them about a land. I'm going to give you a land that is not yours. He spoke to them about a sign, a covenant sign called circumcision. He spoke to the fathers about a moral code. Here are the Ten Commandments, and here are societal laws and ceremonial laws. He spoke to them not only about a people, a land, a sign, a moral code, but above all, he spoke to them about a deliverer, a messiah, a wonder-working servant who would come and he would be a prophet, a priest, a king, a judge. But as we see in the next portion of the verse, he would be a seed, a seed. I know that may not sound like much, but God has a way of confounding the wise 
through foolishness, confounding the, the strong through weakness. And he's going to send his son into the earth as a seed, as a seed. So look at the rest of verse 55 as we move into our third and final point. It says, and he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed, his seed forever. So the third and final point is God helped his servant Israel by sending them a seed. He not only sent them mercy, he not only sent them a word, he sent them a seed, a seed. So in the natural, in the natural, then I'll talk about the supernatural. But in the natural, this seed speaks of a nation of people. That when God called Abram, who was worshiping the moon in uh, the Ur of the Chaldees, God calls him out of that to be the father of a great nation, to, want to know the one true and living God and to have a relationship with him by faith. God says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Not because you're worthy, but because I'm worthy. Not because there's anything special about you. You're broken like all of creation. Everything is special about me. It's not about the one that I called. It's about the one who does the calling. So Abram, exalted father, come here. I'm going to start a nation with you. God, there's a problem. My wife, Sarai, is barren. How are we going to start a nation that you say that the stars in the sky that you can't number and the sand on the seashore, so shall this nation be? My wife and I can't even get pregnant. Do you know what you're doing when you call a barren couple like us? God knows exactly what he's doing when he calls weak folks like us to do his will. When he calls folks like us with limitations, folks like us with a past and with blemishes. He knows what he's doing when he calls broken people to build his kingdom. Why? Because he likes getting all the glory. He likes getting all the glory. He likes coming through doing miraculous stuff. So that when the miracle comes, you know it came from me and it just wasn't by happenstance or circumstance. So I knew what I was doing when I called you and Sarai and I'm going to change her name to Sarah. But not only that, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, would also have trouble conceiving. How are we going to perpetuate? We finally got Isaac. Now he and his wife can't have children. Well, they got to learn how to trust God like their father had to trust God. But then after they have their child and Jacob has a wife named Rachel, she can't get pregnant either. God, why do you keep doing this thing? How are we going to be a great nation when we can't even get pregnant? Once again, God allows every one of these setbacks to be a setup for his glory. Amen. Why does he call a stutterer like M -M 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 Moses to go speak to Pharaoh? Because he uses weak folks. Why did he call a shepherd boy who got overlooked by his own father to be king of Israel? Because God loves exalting those who are weak and humble and broken so that when we get exalted, we know who did it. God, he should be able to use any and all of us, but he can't use some of us because we think we all that. <laughs> we think God need us. <laughs> Newsflash, God don't need you. You need him. Humble yourself. That's why the Pharisees couldn't get no help. They thought they could see. Jesus said, y'all brothers can't see. If you admit that you're blind, then I'll give you some sight. But y'all think y'all got it cracking. No, you don't. Humble yourself. And they missed the Lord. They missed his mercy. They missed the seed. So in the natural realm, 
Abram's seed, Abraham's seed, speaks of the nation of Israel. But in the supernatural, this seed, this seed, speaks of Mary's seed, a.k.a. the virgin birth, a.k.a., listen to this, Genesis 3, 15. Adam and Eve, our parents, had sinned. They disobeyed God, and sin and death came upon them, and it's been passed down to all of us. And God, in his mercy, slew an animal in their place, and clothed them with the skin of the animal to cover their nakedness and to deliver them from religiosity of trying to make their own coverings. That's what religion is. I'm going to try to cover my own stuff up, my own guilt, my own shame. God says, put them fig leaves away. I'm going to cover you with the blood of this animal and with the skin of this animal for the sin that you committed. It died in your place. And I'm going to make a promise right here. I'm going to prophesy that there's coming a seed of a woman who's going to crush the head of the serpent that led y'all into temptation. And in the midst of this struggle for the souls of men, the serpent will wound the seed's heel. So the Messiah would suffer to save us, but he would render a death blow, a finishing blow, mortal combat to the serpent. So there'll be a struggle to save us. And God said, it's the seed of a woman. Hold up. I wasn't the brightest in biology. Always got C's and sometimes D's. But women don't have seeds. They have eggs. Men have seeds. So how does woman going to have a seed? Ah, we're talking about a miraculous birth that God prophesied in Genesis 3.15 about the seed. And so who is the seed? <laughs> you got to put a capital on the S. The, the, the seed, capital S, is Jesus. Huh. Abraham's ultimate seed was Jesus. Galatians 3.16. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. So who is Abraham's ultimate seed? It's not Isaac. It's Jesus. <laughs> I thank God for our Awana program. Because just about every Wednesday night, the children remind us of the promise that God, to, God gave to Abraham about his seed, Jesus. I should call the children up here right now and sing for me. Y'all sing it every week. Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had father Abraham. Now, they don't sing it like that. Matter of fact, kids, come up here. Kids, come up here. Come up here. I need y'all to hit, help me with my sermon. Help me with my sermon. I need you to sing what y'all sing on Wednesdays in Awana, Father Abraham. Come on now. Don't make me look bad. Come on. Come on. Come on. I need y'all to sing it the way y'all sing it on Wednesday nights now. I am one of them. And so are you. Come on, I need y'all to sing it for me. Sing it for your pastor. Come on now. Y'all do know the words. Y'all do know the words. Amen. Now, who's my choir director? Who's my choir director? Normally, it's Pastor Jerry or Sister Donna. Who's my choir director? All right. I, I, need, I need the children now. I need y'all. We're talking about the seed that came from Abraham that makes us children of God. All right? 
I need y'all to do this now. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. When I see y'all on Wednesday night, y'all come down this way. Y'all come down. Y'all are singing that song with every fiber of your being. Slide down, slide down, slide down, slide down. I need y'all to do that like they not here, okay? I need y'all to sing this the way y'all do when y'all, and then we're going to do with the right arm, left arm, spin around, turn around, sit down. We're we doing the whole, we ain't even remixing this. We're doing the whole thing. And I, like, like we do on Wednesday. All right? Did I get it wrong? Did I get it wrong? Make everybody do it. Make everybody do it. All right, everybody stand up. Everybody. 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 Come on now. He remembered us with a seed. He told Abraham the seed is Jesus. All right, young people, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Woo. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, he did. Come on. what I'm talking about. There it is right there. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Are y'all sons and daughters? Do you know the Lord? Stand back up. Amen. God has not forgotten Israel. He sent them mercy. He sent them a word. He sent them a seed. God has not forgotten us. He sent us mercy through the Messiah. He sends us a word every day through scripture telling us how much he loves us. And he sent the seed, Jesus Christ. You are not forgotten this season or any season. Matter of fact, the only thing God has forgotten about us is our sin. He doesn't remember our sin. He has not forgotten you. So preach the gospel to yourself. Believe it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a day to just be reminded of how much you love us. Because some days, Lord, we forget. And we get out here, Lord, and we try to earn favor. We try to earn your look. But, Lord, you're always looking upon us with grace and love and mercy. You, you're such a good daddy. 
and that you gave your son and Jesus, you gave your life to free us from the penalty of sin, even from its power and one day its presence. You deserve everything. You deserve everything. Thank you for making us new people. Thank you for children today reminding us that the kingdom is given to them and we ought to learn from them. Thank you, Lord, on Wednesdays. They don't know how they bless me when I hear them worshiping you after a long day of school. And thank you for their energy. Thank you for their innocence just to come on up and help me finish this sermon. And I pray that all of us would be able to imitate them and have childlike faith and not be so reserved and not always have to, to analyze everything. But may we be free because Jesus has set us free. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And it's according to the power that is working within the church. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand praise. Give Jesus a hand praise. Give Jesus a hand praise. All right now. We'll holler at y'all. We'll see you Tuesday night. Thank you for everyone who helped with the angel tree. There are families that are being blessed this week because of your love. God bless you.